0: Solo and group clinicians alike are buzzing about Therapy Notes, the number one trusted EHR among mental health professionals. With live customer support 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and an extensive feature library, Therapy Notes is sure to streamline your workflow, giving you time to care more and worry less. Try them for two months free using promo code MODERN today.
1: Are you looking for ways to attract and retain private pay clients? Thryzer is a payment platform for therapists built to help clients automatically tap into their out-of-network benefits and save on therapy up front. Check out our special link, join.thrizer.com forward slash modern therapist, and use the code moderntherapists to activate $2,500 in free payments with Thryzer.
0: You're listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide, where therapists live, breathe, and practice as human beings. To support you as a whole person and a therapist, here are your hosts, Kurt Withhelm and Katie Vernoy. Welcome back, Modern Therapists. I'm Kurt Withhelm, and my co-host is Katie Vernoy. This is the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. Thank you for checking us out. And if you wouldn't mind, head on over to wherever you listen to your podcast and leave us a review. It definitely helps us out. Today, we are joined by Dr. Lana Benedict. She practices integrative psychiatry and is here to inform us about what all that means. So thank you for joining us and welcome to the show.
1: Thank you for having me. We are so excited to have you. I've had several conversations with you and I am very excited about what you do and how you work with your clients. So if you could please let us know who you are and what you're putting out into the world because I think it's amazing. Sure. So as you said, I'm an integrated psychiatrist. I have a private practice where
2: I see people in Santa Monica. And in addition to that, I also teach yoga and meditation individually in groups. And I'm also on faculty at USC, where I teach trainees about practicing psychiatry more mindfully. What I'm putting out into the world is my deep, deep desire for all beings to have health, resiliency and well-being, and also to find creative and innovative ways to help people achieve that. And so that's why I find myself more in the integrative world, uh, so that I can use different kinds of techniques like the meditation and the yoga, or different kinds of therapy, uh, lifestyle changes, so that we can address all aspects of people's well-being and get them to that place of resiliency.
0: Tell us a little bit more of what integrative psychiatry includes, because this is my understanding. This is outside of you know your traditional Zoloft and all the other name <laughs> brand drugs that we recognize from the cloud chasing after people in commercials. So, <laughs> yeah. so yeah. What, what what does this include?
2: Yeah, well, there's certain tenets of integrative medicine in general which I adhere to, and um, these sort of make it different from traditional psychiatry. So some of the main things are that there's a focus on all aspects of a person. uh, That includes mind, body, spirit, and community. So that's one really important point. The other is that there is a bit more of a focus on looking at underlying causes of why someone's experiencing something, rather than just more of the symptoms. And the idea is if you can get more at the root cause, then you can more likely be able to suggest something that can achieve more sustained well-being. Some of the other tenants are a focus on collaboration in terms of the provider-patient relationship. Uh, focus on the least invasive treatments whenever possible. So, going back to what you were saying earlier, you know, rather than using medication whenever possible, perhaps using lifestyle changes or supplements as a way to treat depression or anxiety rather than antidepressant. There's also a sense of capitalizing on an individual's innate ability to heal themselves. And therefore, that means focusing a lot on their strengths. And capabilities and going back to least invasive treatments, this idea of um, having people be able to rely on themselves for healing rather than external treatments. And then a couple other points are that as an integrated practitioner, we embrace both conventional like the medication as well as alternative treatments and in a critical manner. And also, practitioners themselves are, are thought to be held accountable in terms of doing things to promote their own well-being and self-exploration so that they can be better able to help the people they're working with.
1: I love that. I think what really stands out for me is this idea of holistic a holistic view and the client or the patient becoming completely self-reliant because Mm -hmm. I think so often, especially in my interactions with some psychiatrists that will not be named, I think that there, it's often to this place of a very, a a model that's very focused on symptoms and kind of mental illness and kind Mm -hmm. of treating and, and getting to a place of just sustained neutrality, not sustained wellness. It's not something where people are actually feeling a ton better and they feel very reliant on medication. It seems so different than I think a lot of psychiatrists. And, and I think there's been more psychiatrists who've taken more of this positive approach, but it seems very different than my experience of psychiatrists. How did you get to that space where this was something that you found or something you decided that you wanted to implement? What, where, how did you find integrative psychiatry? Well, for me, it was um, in my residency training after medical school,
2: as a psychiatrist, you spent five years in residency training, learning sort of the clinical aspects of treatment. I was doing more traditional things like medication and realizing that people were not having a sustained wellness as I had originally been led to believe on the <laughs> Prozac commercial. <laughs> um, and, you know, the... <laughs> That medications themselves, although it can be really helpful, like you said, they are limited in their ability to help. And the help that they do provide can be short lived. Well.
1: Or there could be a lot of side effects
2: too, right? Of, yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. <Totally. laughs>
1: so, so it's like you're better in one area, but then, you know, whereas like exercise, you know, unless you get injured, there's not like really negative side effects.
2: Right, right. Um, And so, and so at that time I started to explore more alternative treatments and that's when I became really interested. For me, it was more like mind-body medicine was the way into the more integrated path and started to learn more about mindfulness and mindfulness-based therapies, psychotherapy. And then from there, that led more to looking at the lifestyle, diet, nutritional aspects
0: of things as well. So it seems like you actually were caring about people getting better and not just medicating them along. That must have affected, you know, kind of looking at your business is like, well, now that I'm curing people, they don't need to keep coming back.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's not a great business model. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. When you click cure your patients, you know, what do you do? You got to get new patients.
2: Custom marketing.
0: <laughs> More seriously though, it seems like maybe this is just because of being in, in an environment like Los Angeles, like Santa Monica, where there is so many different provider options and seeing so many different viewpoints on things that in a lot of ways, this doesn't seem revolutionary. This seems to be things like taking care of people. Why is this such a revolutionary thing within psychiatry to go beyond just pushing prescriptions and to actually incorporating a lot of er other areas that might have been sent out to other treatment members or part of a treatment team?
2: Well, I think... I, I don't want to totally throw my profession under the bus. Um, we're, all,
0: we're all about that here. I,
1: right
2: <laughs> I, don't, I think that they do care about holistic things. I think that the system has evolved in a way that psychiatrists have become the prescribers. And I think that that's for a number of reasons, because of the evolution of the healthcare system itself into more increasing, increasing specialization. I think it's also a cost thing because, you know, psychiatrists are more expensive. So yeah. they can't, we can't pay them too, you know, too much of their time. And the most cost effective thing to do is to pay them just the thing that only they can do. So I think that's been a big part of it.
1: Well, I think one thing about psych meds is that they oftentimes will have a pretty quick response for a lot of folks. And I think that some people see it as the the quick fix. And I think sometimes lifestyle changes as well as some of these other pieces are harder to sustain than just popping a pill. And so, I, I mean, this is a long way around to kind of what do you see as the risks of people who are just prescribing or people who are just taking medication to try to treat their mental health consi- conditions? Because the argument kind of responding to Kurt's question, the argument for this integrative model is that it's, it is more sustainable. It is more towards the person, but it's, it seems revolutionary. I think because it, you know, we're looking for a quick fix, but when the quick fix comes with so many side effects or so many other negative things, it it's, it's harmful to our society. I guess I'm kind of waxing poetic right now. So let me just ask the question. <laughs> uh, I guess the question I'm asking is what are the risks and benefits of taking medication? Cause there's some folks who will only take it and some folks who will put it as part of a plan, but what should people know about taking medication?
2: I mean, some of the things that can be helpful are the fact that like you were alluding to before, that there's just a more potential, the potential for more immediate relief and also you know, in the case of more severe illness, people who are really, really suffering, it can be a godsend sometimes. For sure. Uh, yeah. And then just to go back to what we were saying before, it can be cheaper, right? Um, medication is cheaper than some of these. So then therapy, which often might be needed to address underlying issues. It takes less time. So it's less of the provider's time. So the cost is a factor it can be less time consuming, right? You just go get your pill and then you're done. And so to me, in my mind, those are some of the benefits. You know, some people really aren't wanting to look at underlying causes or contributors to things. So it can sidestep that. But then that speaks to some of the costs, which is that, you know, not addressing some of those things, underlying habits or patterns. Um so if you don't address those things and you just take medication, then it's more likely that the medication will stop working at some point, right? And that it won't be sufficient. So sticking with the cost then, that to me, that's a really big cost. Um, the other costs are side effects, which can be pretty significant for some people. You know, some of the sexual side effects are really difficult. Sleep side effects, those can be long-term. So those are another cost of the medications As I was saying before, the benefits may not persist. Uh, Another concern that I've come across a lot in my practice and actually is a focus of my practice is um, the fact that they can create dependence and that there's withdrawal uh, Mm -hmm. phenomena associated with stopping them.
1: Therapy Notes not only combines billing, scheduling, and notes into one easy-to-use software, they now also offer group telehealth. Up to 15 clients in a group session at a time and secure messaging features. And with their 24 7 customer service, they're ready to assist you no matter where your practice takes you.
0: Therapy Notes allows you to do it all. Whether you're a solo clinician or part of a group practice, you'll have all the tools for success at your fingertips with Therapy Notes. Learn more at therapynotes.com and use promo code MODERN for two months free.
1: Which medications are people most likely to become dependent on in your experience or your perception of that?
2: Um, Well, the ones that have the most um, significant withdrawal effects are the ones that are the most immediate affecting the things like benzodiazepines. So those are things like clonopin and Ativan. If you take those for long periods of time, they can be pretty habit forming and you can develop tolerance to them as well.
1: One of the ones I've heard of is like Xanax. Is that one? Is that? Is yeah. So that's in the
2: class of benzodiazepines. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, that's, that's one of the most <laughs> problematic uh, benzodiazepines that you can take. And what makes the drug so problematic like that is that the effect is very marked and very immediate. So that's what makes it so hard to let go of.
1: It's a quick high. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I know you also work with folks and trying to get off antidepressants. Do you find that people also get dependent on those?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's not the withdrawal is not as marked some as what we were just talking about, but absolutely there's withdrawal symptoms that can occur. I never, never advise people to go off those cold Turkey, Mm -hmm. always a process of gradual reduction and also I mean, I have a bit of a comprehensive program for people to do this. but um, So it involves a lot of people doing other things instead, including making lifestyle changes, Mm -hmm. um, increasing social-emotional support. And then there's also, of course, herbs and supplements that you can take to help with the withdrawal as well and make it more likely. And there's two things to consider with stopping things like antidepressants, which is most of what I see because so many people at this point are on them. So it's the actual symptoms of withdrawal that can be problematic. But then there's the other issue, which I've already alluded to, which is that symptoms um, can recur, Mm -hmm. right? You can go back to where you started once you stop. Um, So that's why it's really important to do some of these other things to minimize that possibility.
0: For people who are interested in having an integrative approach or bringing in integrative aspects to their practice, whether it's a psychiatrist, whether it's a therapist, I imagine that there can become a really fringy end of this profession because it does seem to be something that's not as traditionally backed by research as, as, you know, your antidepressants or anything that's, you know, gone through the FDA process.
1: And has a lot of pharmaceutical money behind it, right? Right. (laughs) Yeah. Changing
2: your relationships doesn't have much incentive.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like who's 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 getting the money for that? Because then that's right. the people that need to do the research, right? Oh, maybe the Gutmans.
0: But how, <laughs> how do you how do you balance? You know the the people who go way off the deep end with this that are you know you bring up herbs and supplements, which you know are going to be backed by certain dietitians or nutritionists or people who are versed in that area, mm-hmm. medical doctors. And then there's the people who are just going to go way out and are you know, channeling energies coming off of certain astrological signs and, you know, bringing in uh, (laughs) what might be, you know, way out to the end. Like, how do you balance being grouped in with that and facing that criticism?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's a really... It's a really good point because we don't want to lose our grounding in science. Um, And for me personally, that's still a really big factor. And that's definitely a factor of integrative medicine in general. It's actually one of the main tenets is maintaining scientific rigor and the things that we recommend. Now, that being said, um, there are things that I do offer that do not have the same scientific rigor as things like antidepressants. And then what we look to there is this clinical experience, you know, things that have been helpful uh, in the past. Um, and also there's this idea of values-based medicine in my field, which is um, doing your best to look at the evidence, but when there isn't evidence available, making choices that are uniquely suited to the patient in front of you, what matters to them, what could potentially be more helpful to them, and then just doing it in a really careful, documented way to minimize any risks. So so the bottom line is trying to focus on whatever we have scientific evidence available, but also prioritizing the needs of the patient and the values of the patient to carefully Explore and use other things that can be helpful.
1: That seems like such a, a human way to focus in on medicine, which I think, especially with you know whether you know all the folks that are taking insurance and saying you know four clients an hour and you know those kinds of things, I think it can be very hard to do that. But I, I really like that idea of the values based medicine. I think I was reading this book. I think it was like How Not to Die or something. I don't know if you've heard of this book, but it's a book about, you know, kind of nutrition and those kinds of things. And, and it, it feels like it aligns with what you're talking about. I promise I have a point. So it talks about kind of what to, you know, what, what science has shown. So what types of diet, that kind of stuff that you want to have as well as other things. But then there's, there's some of the stuff that's like, well, in these very tiny studies, there's some positive results over here. So it's not really scientifically backed, but if you eat more blueberries or whatever, like there's no side effects. So why not try it? And so it's, (laughs) you know, it's one of those things where if you're, if you're suggesting lifestyle choices that are generally healthy and, you know, potentially in some settings have had some nice results in some settings, not no, no shown results around mood, for example, it doesn't hurt to try them. There's not this side effect. It's not like, Hey, I'm trying this, uh, you know, this medication on this off, off use. And, you know, the side effects are horrific, but you know, Hey, it could work. Like mm-hmm. that that seems like it's a much bigger risk than saying, hey, you should meditate for, you know, 30 minutes a day. Like what are the side effects that we have to be worried about? So I think I get what you're saying, Kurt, because I do think it's important that we don't get too far away from scientific rigor, because I think that can make psychiatry, psychology, mental health seem fringy and seem like, you know, we, we're not grounded in, any, in anything. But I think there's so much good that we offer that I think being able to go into this values-based Kind of low impact, potentially high impact, but low side effect. Kind yeah. of mindset might be very helpful.
0: I should point out here that, as a disclaimer, Katie is not a medical doctor, and you should not take her advice of <laughs> however many blueberries. <laughs> Atlanta could tell
1: us how many blueberries. Please
0: consult your own medical professional.
1: <laughs> <laughs> You're so funny, Kurt.
2: <laughs> um, I'm all for
1: blueberries.
2: They are okay. anti-inflammatory. Please. <laughs>
1: <laughs> see now we have our medical doctor telling yes. us that we need to eat more blueberries we've, we've covered it all we for that one. <laughs> it's all it's all lana's fault if you turn blue from too many blueberries <laughs> <laughs> so what are the lifestyle choices that you do recommend that are kind of the highest impact with the lowest side effects negative side effects that you would recommend to everybody like what are the lifestyle changes that you think That all therapists should have because hey, we're supposed to be taking care of ourselves and and walking our talk. So what are what are your best recommendations as far as the lifestyle changes?
2: Yeah, there's definitely a few things. So you were talking about diet. So definitely pretty much everyone I see gets a diet assessment. And there usually are things that can be done to improve diet. I don't tend to go on specific diets like paleo or keto, but actually ones that are focus on decreasing inflammation and optimizing mental health. These are diets which are actually more kind of common sense and well-rounded. Some of the primary things that are really important are a lot of vegetables, a lot of vegetables, a lot of good, good fats, good proteins, lean proteins, legumes, nuts and seeds. Most fruits and vegetables, fruits in addition to the vegetables And a lot of those things, like I said, are anti-inflammatory things to eat, as we know that inflammation contributes significantly to things like anxiety, depression, and other mental health issues. And also, they provide building blocks for neurotransmitters, which um, in anxiety and depression we're looking at optimizing. So things like vegetables, lean proteins, those are particularly important when you want to optimize the balance of neurochemicals in the brain.
1: So your diet can literally be making you depressed. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely.
2: I mean, there's lots, lots more things about diet, right? You want to have less processed food, more, mm-hmm. more organic foods. You want to try to eat mindfully. Um, actually on my website, there's a giant blog, just about all these things. So I can refer you there. <laughs> drbenedek.com.
1: We'll We'll definitely uh, put that on our show notes.
2: Okay. Let's move on to, um, okay, exercise, super, super important. in fact, going back to Kurt's point, we actually do have very rigorous, we have rigorous good evidence that diet, that sorry, that exercise is just as good as an antidepressant in depression. So everyone's going to be exercising (laughs) if I had my way about it and then sleep good quality sleep is super, super important for mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, getting that seven to nine, eight hours
1: uh, of sleep. So is hard great. though. It's really hard.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. And it's not like if you, if you don't get it for a few nights, you're not going to like
1: fall Suddenly, apart. Be super depressed. <laughs> so anxious that I just not can't even that function.
2: immediate Like, okay, I'm not trying to freak everyone out here. <laughs> Let's have that goal, you know. Mm-hmm.
0: So, also- so part of that goal is don't have kids, anyone. Like, just- <laughs> <laughs> you, you heard it here from the doctor. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, yeah. So for me, I sort of start with those three basic pillars, diet, exercise, sleep. And then it sort of goes on from there, lifestyle, mm-hmm. right? What are you doing to minimize your stress? Are you having balance in your work, in your personal life? Are you getting... Um, are your relationships solid? Do you have hobbies? You know, those, and then those kinds of other things, of course, are also taking into account as well.
0: Thrizer is a payment platform designed for out-of-network therapy. As a therapist, you would use Thrizer to charge clients for sessions and collect your full rate upfront. From the client's perspective, Thryser links to their health plan, so insurance claims are automatically submitted for them upon every charge. From there, Thryser manages the claims end-to-end so that your clients don't have to worry about manually submitting super bills or getting on calls with insurance. The best part? Thrizer allows clients to only pay their co-insurance portion for sessions, while Thrizer covers the rest of your fee and waits for reimbursement on their behalf.
1: They also offer you an instant benefits calculator for free, allowing you to provide upfront transparency to prospective clients on their out-of-network coverage. Therapists only pay a standard 3% credit card processing fee per session with no additional fees. Visit join.thryser.com forward slash modern therapist to get started and use our promo code modern therapists to receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions. I think a lot of that stuff seems pretty common sense, but I think it's so wonderful to have these strong, like you have to do these things or, you know, this can really have it. Not like you have to, like you weren't like dictating.
2: Okay. I'm not the dictator. <laughs> <But laughs> I just the impression that I
1: was like, everyone else exercise. Yeah. Um, if you have your way, everybody's exercising. But I think what I'm hearing is that there's these common sense things, but it when you actually tie them to the outcomes that we're looking for, it can make a lot of sense. Yeah. And to me, it seems like such a refreshing perspective for a psychiatrist to have because it does really take the whole person and, and treat in that way. I would imagine that a lot of therapists would be very excited to have a collaborative partner like you in their in their treatment team. How do you collaborate with therapists? Because it sounds like there's there might be some overlap. It sounds like there's gonna be you know, some more intensive work. What does that look like when you're, when you're collaborating with a therapist or other, other professionals to, to work on a case?
2: So basically I have to, for each person, it's going to look different, right? And it's going to be what a combination of what the patient needs and what they're getting from their therapist and how I can complement that. So that's why basically immediately I'll have a conversation with the therapist or other treating professionals to figure out how we can optimally collaborate together and make sure that we're complementing each other, not stepping on each other's toes. I think that's super important. And so we can also communicate clearly to the client, you know, what we're both each going to be able to help with.
1: Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that so much. (laughs) I
2: mean, I just love collaborating. So it works out. It works out really well.
1: I don't know about your experience, Kurt, but I've had psychiatrists who have definitely stepped on toes. I had one that kind of medicated someone out of feeling all their feelings at one point because it, the therapy had hit a, a cr- critical point and she was having a hard time and I predicted it. And even so, the psychiatrist is like, here, let me give you medication so you feel nothing. And you probably should find a new therapist. And I was like, what?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I love
1: that you actually get on the phone and have a collaboration and have those conversations because I think that is actually less common as others. So, Sorry, Kurt, you were going to say something.
0: Well, and it always amazes me when I see psychiatrists prescribing a medication to deal with the side effects of the previous medication and to deal with the side effects of the previous medication that created those side effects in the first place <laughs> and then won't return my phone calls. So I think it's, you know, as, as in any profession, there's always a mixed bag of, of who's there. What I'm really getting out of all of this is that integrative psychiatry really seems to be about promoting what mental wellness and... Yeah. It's not necessarily looking at things from a, a mental illness perspective, but about creating uh, an aspect of health in all areas of life. Mm-hmm. And the the mental, you know, reasons coming in, whether it's anxiety, whether it's depression, whatever the presenting issue might is, is that that's one piece of a person's health and wellness. I don't have a question. That's just kind of a...
2: <laughs> well, I, I would just say I wholeheartedly agree with what you just said. <laughs> Absolutely. I have no qualms, I think you just said. And I think that that is what is so appealing to me about this model is that it's really looking, it's not looking, it's not a symptom-based approach. It's a wellness approach. It's where you want to get to and what do you need to help get there? And that is something that I like to address like right away first session and start immediately building people's resources so that they can get there. Um, so yeah, anyways, I'm just agreeing with what you're saying.
1: <laughs> well, and this is one question that we usually ask towards the end, uh, that from everyone is what do you think that psychiatrists or therapists typically get wrong? Cause I think this is, this is our biggest learning moment. How can we make sure that we're not missing the boat?
2: Well, I think we just talked about one of them which is focusing on symptoms and limitations rather than strengths and well-being. I definitely see my colleagues. I I, I think that that's an issue. I think also like sometimes being a bit rigid in your approach and maybe less willing to consider some of these other modalities. You know, if if all you have is a hammer, everything's a nail kind of thing. I
1: feel
2: like, you know, I've certainly been in that place and done that before too. But I think that there's a, it's easy to get stuck in that if you have a certain approach that you really like to follow. Um, So I think that's one thing. And then I think, and this goes back to one of the tenets of integrative psychiatry, which is sort of seeing the whole person and trying to understand all aspects of a person's experience, helping the person themselves. Once you can help, and see that helping the person themselves understand their experience i do also believe we haven't really talked about this but that psychoeducation and having an understanding of how you got to be where you are and um, the things that you're experiencing can also be really really helpful in healing as well
0: our guest today is dr lana benedick where can people find more information about you
2: they can find more information about me at uh, drbenedek.com. So that's just D R B E N E D E K.com. They can email me at Lana, my first name, at drbenedek.com. Uh, my phone number is 310 853 0735. If anyone, anyone who's interested in coming to see me, I um, I'm happy to spend time talking with them on the phone first to tell them more about my practice. Although if they've listened to this, they may not. i <laughs> be um, like, I'm coming right in. <laughs> <Yep>. Sold. <laughs> but I, but yeah, I just I like to get to know people a little bit first, and let them ask me as many questions as they want before they come in to make sure mm-hmm. it's a good fit. So just like to say that um, as well.
1: It's been so great having you. Thank you so much for the the wisdom that you've shared and uh, the real approach to psychiatry that I think should be everybody's approach. But I, I, you know, like you, I think everybody should be exercising and everybody should be practicing in an integrative way. So thank you so much for being here. It's been great. Thank
2: you for having me. I really enjoyed it.
0: And we'll include all of Dr. Benedict's information in our show notes. You can find those at mtsgpodcast.com. And make sure that you join our Facebook group, the Modern Therapist Group, so that way you can weigh in on conversation and about ways to incorporate all this kind of cool stuff into your practices. And until next time, I'm Kurt Whithelm with Katie Vernoy and Dr. Lana Benedict. Thank you for listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. Learn more about who we are and what we do at mtsgpodcast.com. You can also join us on Facebook and Twitter. And please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of our episodes.
1: Thanks to our partner, Therapy Notes, the highest rated practice management solution for behavioral health. Don't forget, use promo code MODERN for two free months.
0: Remember to check out Thrizer; They are passionate about making out-of-network therapy work for everyone. Clients save upfront on therapy while therapists earn their full rate. Get started in minutes on join.thriser.com forward slash modern therapist and use the promo code modern therapists and receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions.